Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and i got to tell you, this week's podcast interview freaked me the hell out about what I didn't know. Now, like most patriots, my eyes are pretty wide open to the fact that there is another entity behind our government, the government that you see on the news, the government that you're supposed to see, a government that is truly ruled by corporate greed and do-nothing politicians. But I didn't realize just how deep it actually went and how citizens like you and me are actually being targeted every single day. In fact, especially patriots like you and me. So go ahead and listen to this interview with civil rights attorney John Whitehead. I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Uh, It's either going to open your eyes or it's going to substantiate what you may already know. But I'll leave you with this. If you think that all the problems go away once Obama is out of office, then you don't understand the problem. You'll find out more once you listen to this interview. So go ahead and check it out now. Bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging. Would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive. If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Are you worried about your civil liberties? Are you concerned about the increasing militarization of police and the increasing stories of unreasonable police brutality against often innocent citizens? America's transition from a society governed by we the people to a virtual police state governed by the strong arm of the law and what some refer to as a military-industrial complex is a red flag for honest, upstanding patriots. In such an environment, the law becomes yet another tool with the power to oppress the people at will, legally, and seemingly with no recourse for those free people. From recent laws instituted by our government to the NSA spying on virtually all Americans' private phone calls to the even more disturbing revelations about the amount of military-style equipment being given away to police and agencies that shouldn't need them, it's apparent that we've lost control of this massive monster we call a government, and private citizens are being targeted every day by those in power. Personally, I'm alarmed by this, and I think you should be too. And for that reason, I've invited a constitutional attorney of national prominence to talk with us about this issue. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and patriot. And joining us today to provide us with better insight into the threats that we face to our freedom and what we can do about it is attorney and civil rights defender John Whitehead. John, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me on, sir. It's really an honor to have you here, so I'm looking forward to this. Listen, everybody, John is an attorney and author who has written, debated, and practiced widely in the area of constitutional law and human rights. His concern for the persecuted and oppressed led him in 1982 to establish the Rutherford Institute, a nonprofit civil liberties and human rights organization whose international headquarters are located in Charlottesville, Virginia, where he serves as the Institute's president and spokesperson. Now, John has written several books on the topic of civil liberty infringement and the dangers of a police state and an overpowering government and is one of the nation's most vocal and involved civil liberties attorneys. He's earned numerous accolades and accomplishments for his outspoken fight to educate our citizens on the threats that we face and how we can protect ourselves. And you can find out more information on his work at his website, www.rutherford.org. John, 
it's safe to say that the majority of Americans have their head in the sand and take for granted that we're led by a government of the people, for the people, by the people. Anyone claiming otherwise or even hinting that there's a deeper, darker plan being carried out is often just dismissed and labeled as some conspiracy nut. But I think more and more people's eyes really now are being open to the signs that many, like yourself, have been calling out as bordering on treasonous. But still, the skeptics are out there, right? I mean, you know this more than anybody. So what would you say are the most critical truths that could convince people that we now need to protect ourselves from our government and how it could affect their life? Well, uh, as we've seen in recent events, uh, the last being the Ferguson, Missouri kind of uprising, but uh, again, this is happening all across the country, is the militarization of the police. I mean, the Department of Homeland Security is passing out tank-like vehicles called MRAPs or mine-resistant armor protection vehicles, which are 20-ton vehicles. Uh, with Basically, they're used over in Afghanistan to fight an armed enemy. Uh, assault rifles, uh, flak jackets, uh, boot jack boots, helmets, all those things. Uh, stingray devices, which are put in police cars. They can drive, they drive through your neighborhood, by the way now, and can download everything you're doing on your, uh, uh, cell phone, your computer. They act as fake cell phone towers. Police in small communities now have license plate readers handed out to them again by the federal government. They collect, collect 1,800 images per hour. They can follow wherever you're going. Uh, you go down the list. The NSA is uh, downloading everything you're doing uh, electronically. They know your bank records. They know your health records now more than they used to through uh, the Affordable Care Act, which allows uh, demanding electronic records. Uh, every time you use your credit card or wherever you go, everything is logged in. The NSA admits to downloading almost 230 million <laughs> text messages a day of American citizens. So, uh when you look at the overall picture, uh, it is very, very clear that the government that we have now is not like the government we had 20 or 30 years ago. So it's radically changed, especially since 9-11. We've seen that. I mean, you have uh, authorization now. The president can, if he thinks you're an extremist, and there were two memos put out, by the way, in 2009 by the Department of Homeland Security, uh, which said extremists could be the PETA groups. They were the left-wing extremists. If you're an animal rights activist, on the right side of the so-called right-wing extremists, you have veterans and people who don't like the government. Uh, under the National Defense Authorization Act, if you're considered an extremist, the president can come get you and take you away and put you in a military confinement, which you won't see your lawyer or your family. So these are all detailed in my book, by the way, A Government of Wolves, The Emerging American Police State, where I go through all these instances. 80,000 SWAT team raids occurring across America, now 80% for warrant service, where a policeman used to show up at your door and knock on the door. Now they're coming through people's doors in the middle of the night. Uh, people are getting killed. They always shoot the dogs. Uh, a number of times, a high percentage of these raids, they don't, they're not even at the right address where people are getting killed. And I can go through some of those in a minute, but... Uh, we could go on for two hours talking about basically the problems and, uh, yeah, it's, you, it's, you can't have your head in the sand these days. The only way you can have your head in the sand is these days is someone's holding your head in the sand. If you're, if you're reading what's on the internet or keeping up with the news, you know the facts or you should know some of the facts. Yeah, and I just saw, actually, it was just on CBS News. I mean, so it's not even just like this is going across, you know, Fox News or something that might be, you know, considered more extreme by other people that are out there. CBS News, when you said that the, the government is, is passing out military-type equipment, 
You mean that quite literally. There are there are even schools that are being given for free MRAP vehicles. And exactly. This is, yeah, this is just coming out now. I but, mean, uh, universities now have MRAPs, and right. no one knows exactly why they have them. And when they, when we question some local police departments, you're talking about very small communities. Why do you have MRAPs, and why do you have 150 5.56 millimeter rifles, all given out by the way by the Department of Homeland Security to uh, local police agencies? Why do you have them? And the police have trouble telling you why they have them, but they're armed to the teeth. The problem is, as I show in my book, Government of Wolves, once you arm policemen in camouflage outfits or the black Darth Vader SWAT team outfits with military gear, they arrive in a military vehicle like a tank at your home, they view you differently. All the psychology studies show that starting in the 60s, that the police now view you more as an enemy combatant. So the old idea of the, if you watch the Andy Griffith show, Barney Fife, mm-hmm. where the policemen didn't carry guns. By the way, I lived next door to the chief of police when I was a young guy in high school. Nice guy, laughed. Most of the time didn't carry a gun. He said, I don't want to shoot anybody. And this was a good-sized town. It wasn't a small community. His officers, of course, carried weapons. But he put out this idea, and it was a good idea, that the cops should be friendly to you. He shouldn't arrest you. And... Uh, what was interesting when I was growing up, the police a lot of times, if they thought you had too much to drink and they pulled you over, they took you home. They didn't handcuff you like they do today. So things are changed. All the people are getting shot across the country that are unarmed. I mean, it's all detailed in my book. And if people go to Rutherford.org, you can see my commentaries where I write on this. I mean, people are getting shot for walking. An old fellow is walking down his driveway. I think it was in Houston with a cane. The police happened to be driving by in the twilight, and they couldn't hardly see right, but they thought he had a rifle. They jumped out and shot him in his driveway. That's happening on a daily basis, folks. So yeah. this used to never happen in America. One thing that you said really um, struck me, and I, I just want to clarify on, because you said when you were talking about like left-wing extremists and right-wing extremists, and I and I like that you basically, you know, you're looking at truly like our entire society and both sides, and just civil liberties apply to everybody. But, yes. You know, you you one of the the, the classes that you bring into like right-side extremists and how they're being viewed. Are veterans, and those are the people that we would always think of as like you know there there is no there's no politics there's no nothing that's just true patriotism, but you place them there as kind of being targeted almost as right stream extremists. And you I know in your book you brought up a story about um, Brandon Robb. Could you yeah. quickly just tell what like why veterans now are even seen as potentially a targeted group? Uh, again, I work with a lot of veterans, and they're coming back from Afghanistan. By the way, they're they're already they're almost automatically now. Uh, diagnosed with post-traumatic syndrome illness or whatever they call it, uh, they talk to me, and they're they're offended by it. They can't own a weapon. Uh, but to give you the story of Brandon Robb, about a year and a half ago, he was at his home typing on his typewriter. He has a home business. Uh, he, had just, he had just got through jogging. He didn't have a shirt on. He heard some noise outside. So he got he's a, he's a decorated. He had served in Iraq and Afghanistan, decorated Marine. He walks up and he looks out the window. These guys are running toward his house, some in black outfits, and there's about eight vehicles pulled up around his home. And he's going, what in the world is this for? He goes to the screen door, and then up the, the guy walks up on him and says, Department of Homeland Security. He flashes his badge. Another guy was the FBI. The other guy was Secret Service and the local police. So he said, what's the problem? And they said, we're, well, the, the problem is they were stuttering a bit is uh, we're, we're concerned about your Facebook post. Brandon Robb had been posting some Facebook posts, lyrics from rap groups and hip-hop groups. He didn't like Obama's executive orders. They they asked him to step outside. When he did, they grabbed him, handcuffed him behind his back. While he was being taken to the vehicle, they slammed him against the fence, lacerated his back. He was bleeding badly. When he got to the police station, he asked for bandages. 
Instead, they put a shirt on him, one of those striped outfits they give prisoners. <laughs> and he said it stuck in his back. It dried. It hurt so bad. He put him in a jail cell. Uh, a psychiatrist examined him for five minutes and said he thought he might be suffering a mental illness. And why? Because Brandon was slow to answer questions. Well, he knew better. He's a smart guy. You don't answer a state official. You don't have your lawyer there. Uh, I called the police chief and said, what is this guy charged with? And he goes, oh, well, he's not really charged anything. He, uh, we don't think he committed any crime, but we're just concerned about his Facebook post. He may be mentally ill. He was put in a mental hospital for a week. We sued and got him out. A judge really shouldn't be in there. Now we sued the federal government over this issue. We're in the courts over that now. The Department of Homeland Security has a program called Operation Vigilant Eagle. They watch almost all the Facebook posts. of Oh, they do all of them, basically. We have veterans like one from Kansas who called and said that he did some uh, anti-government Facebook posts. He said the next day he got a knock on the door and there stood two FBI agents. Mm. And they threatened to deport him, basically. Wow. <laughs> he had been formerly in the Secret Service. They said, you keep doing those kind of things, we may take you outside the country. This is America, though. Remember, we have free speech. We have the right to speak. But the program actually, the, the government actually has a program where they watch returning veterans very carefully. But they're watching everything now. We're getting these cases where the NSA is calling schools now, high schools. And telling the principal, we just saw a Facebook post, we don't like it. You need to talk to this kid. This is the NSA calling. And the NSA is in all this. NSA is the one that collects all the information, and they report back to the other agencies. So, like I said, folks, you're being watched. And I, I get this whole argument when I speak after people say, well, I don't do anything wrong. Why would I care if they watch me? Well, the point is, if you do something they don't like, or you upset a local politician and he wants to go after you, yeah. If you happen to visit the wrong place or buy the wrong book, you can get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and with the um, the Safe Act now, it's basically you can turn in your neighbor and even collect a reward for it. Um, essentially, this has been happening as well. Well, um, I just wrote a commentary on that. The oh, government's really? encouraging people to be snitches, and yeah. I've been uh, I've done an exhaustive study of the former regimes, and the regime that we seem to be duplicating for some reason is Nazi Germany. And it's very, very eerie because in Nazi Germany, uh, there were very few SWAT teams. So what they did, and very effectively, Hitler and the, the Nazis, is they got the people to turn the other people in. So almost, uh, what, 70% of people who were in concentration camps were from fellow neighbors reporting them for so-called illegal acts. Well, that's scary. Like listening to foreign radio. Yeah. So we're seeing that now. I mean, in many of the cases we're getting, we're getting, we had a veteran who had a tomato garden in his backyard. The neighbors called <laughs> called the police. It was illegal in this uh, town to have a vegetable garden in your backyard. Oh, wow. Uh, we, we got cases where people want to have a single chicken. We had one down in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, she had a single chicken in her yard just to get eggs. The police arrived and confiscated the chicken. It was against the law. Neighbors reported her. Wow. For having a chicken. So uh, as a society, I see us changing. And that really troubles me. We're... we're We've been taught now to fear everything. And again, I go back and quote Hitler. Hitler said fear was the basic way you control people. We we are afraid of terrorist attacks. But, you know, you're, if you look at the statistics, and I've detailed those, uh, you can go to our website and see that, uh, getting killed by a terrorist, you're, uh, you're more likely to die from <laughs> stumbling on the sidewalk than being killed by a terrorist. But they drum that into our heads to the point now where we're willing to accept spying on us, all of our records, militarized police. And I'm afraid people are starting to get desensitized to it. That's one of the concerns I have. They seem to say, oh, okay, we'll move on. 
But when the hammer drops, and I've seen it drop in other societies, again, I study history, it's not pretty. John, we we certainly live in a society dominated by technology, and, and there's no argument that it's made our lives easier on a lot of different levels. But it's also provided a network of data mining that is capable of reaching deep into our personal lives and creating what you call an electronic concentration camp. And I know, we, you know, you talk a lot about this. What are, what would you say are maybe like the three primary electronic threats respectable patriots should be concerned about and, and pay more attention to? Well, the first one, of course, the NSA downloads everything. They have, they have massive computers in their Utah facility. The computers do the work. They parse the information handed to the agents. For example, if you do a Facebook post, and this is happening on a routine basis, you do the wrong Facebook post, you goof off. If let's say you have an airsoft rifle and you hold it up and say, I like my gun, you're automatically targeted. So I, I have people who I tell, when they do silly things like that, I text them back and say, get that stupid thing down. <laughs> you could get a SWAT team rate to get yourself hurt. Uh, the FBI, again, is coordinating and watching everything. Uh, your cell phone, you have to realize this, your cell phone, even when it's off, the NSA now admits they can turn it on. And becomes a microphone. The FBI admits that your laptop can become a camera. And there's even some evidence that maybe your television set now. They I mean, uh, different corporations admit that they can actually hear voices in the room. Uh, that's been documented through, uh, when your television is on, uh, supposedly for marketing data. Uh, so they're watching everything. Google, the biggest uh, corporate entity in the world, the most powerful right now, is working with the NSA and the CIA and developing what they call the hive mind, where all your electronic devices will be under one, basically, cloud. And your electronic devices will report on you. Coming sooner, these so-called driverless cars, uh, there is no such thing, by the way. If you take your seatbelt off the right time, you'll be reported for a violation. And here's the key thing I think people have to realize. Coming next year are drones, and I've written a lot on drones. I wrote, I wrote the first drone regulation in the world that became a law, by the way. Uh, they're going to have scanning devices, all kinds of weapons, tasers, lasers, rubber bullets, sound cannons. Uh, they're going to they're going to be for, used first for traffic control. We're told in many states they're going to be flying over your car with electronic. They'll be able to go in your car, and if you're texting a message, there's a different frequency on your phone. They'll be able to automatically cite you for a violation. So they're going to be everywhere. It's a $30 billion a year industry starting next year. So we're moving into what you, what I have called the electronic concentration camp, and we're very close to being into that. So it's going to be very difficult to escape, folks. There are a few people fighting it out there, but, uh, they're working so close. When you, when the Google admits they're working with the NSA, Amazon just built a, a, a huge intelligence cloud for all the intelligence agencies for a $20 million cloud. So these large corporate entities are working with the government, and they're watching everything you're doing. It's If you haven't read Orwell's 1984, folks, go read it. He predicted it. You know what's scary is I mean, the average citizen can go to Google Maps, and we're used to We've become accustomed to be able oh, to yeah. look at a three-dimensional map of anywhere that you want, basically. And, and, and the fact that you can look at the front of your house from a Google map, like a, an actual photo, is yeah. just scary it should scare it should be scary well here's the other thing people understand the nsa has what they call their five eyes program it's it's a nationwide part of their echelon program they have uh, bases all around the world great britain new zealand australia canada all work with them they have bases there people tell me i'm gonna escape and go to a foreign country now well really you can't escape 
if you have any kind of electronic device, even if it's not connected to the Internet, the FBI admits they can tap into it, your computer, with drones coming, uh, where are you going to escape to? There used to be an idea that you could go run and hide in a cave or something, but if you've got any kind of electronic device, folks, you can't escape. And what I'm telling people here, if you believe in freedom, stay here in America and fight for it. Yeah, I believe that too. Perfect. We're here with John Whitehead of Rutherford.org discussing the threats that we face as our society transforms more and more into a police state. We'll be back here with more strategies in just a minute, including what you can expect to see in the future, as well as critical action steps you can take now to protect yourself and your family during oppressive times. But first, check out this special message. In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug-out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with John Whitehead of Rutherford.org talking about the coming police state and what you can do about it. John, you say that we're on the road to a police state and recent leaks of government military industrial complex arming local police with military-style equipment has finally received spotlight media attention that's long overdue. I mean, you you started the Institute back in, in 1982. I mean, you've been writing about this way before it was ever on anybody else's radar screen. But it's easy for the average person to simply see these as isolated incidents of overzealous cops spurred on by drama-seeking mainstream media. What makes you believe that these incidents are only symptoms of a much larger plan for the designs of a future police state? Well, I don't know if anybody's sitting around at the government saying, well, I'm going to design a police state. I think it's automatic. Once you get the technology, which they have, and all seeing technology. Uh, well, let me, let me stop you there because that's, I think that's probably the most important distinction. Probably this is a better phrasing of the question because there is this, this extreme fear and this, and it's been given this life force of, you know, Obama and the government has a master plan. Like the, the, the underground gulags are being put in place and they're just going to, the, all the police departments around, around the country are just going to go in and round up. They've got everybody's name. Give me your weapons. Let's take you down the elevators 3,000 feet below the earth's surface. <laughs> and, and now we've got everybody. And that was our master plan for a new world order. So, so let's, let's so with that being said, um, where's the practicality in, in what we're facing? Well, it's it's the practicality is if you just look at uh, what's happening. Um, 
the technology they have automatically extends control. Government, government has, by the way, like I say, I'm a civil libertarian for, uh, attorney for 40 years. I've sued politicians, presidents down the line. I've, I've done depositions of big government officials. The basic uh, philosophy of government is power, control, power, power and control. And there's a third element that's especially with the rise of you call it the military-industrial complex earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Eisenhower warned us against it. When you get the large corporate entities joining with government to make money off of these things, like the militarized police. Uh, Forty percent of the equipment that police are getting across the country is new, so they're manufacturing it. Large corporations are making tons of money. We've identified the top ten corporations at Rutherford Institute. They're making tons of money off of this. So it, it, part of it's money, it's greed, power, and control. But the thing about government that people must realize is that once government assumes power, it will not relinquish it very easily. Uh, and there have been some great movements in the past. We may want to talk it before we get off this issue uh, that have budged government. But uh, so it's about power and control. I mean, you have the Department of Homeland Security, and this gives you, this is a good example. The Department of Homeland Security purchased a little over a year ago $1.6 billion. They had it specially made for them, $1.6 billion hollow point bullets, which violate international law. I was a former, I'm a former infantry officer. We could not use hollow point bullets. We were told they were illegal. Mm-hmm. But we have government agents all around the country running around with hollow point bullets now. They explode on contact. They'll blow your arm off. They'll blow your head off. Uh, they violate international law. The Social Security, Social Security Administration bought 200,000 rounds of hollow point bullets, they said, in a press release, to be distributed to 41 locations across America. Now, is there a plan? Well, there is some kind of plan there. Obviously, you wouldn't be handing out bullets, th- those kind of things. Do I know what the plan is? No. I think there is a great paranoia in government about average citizens, especially gun owners. They don't like the idea that the fact that there's guns out there, that people may want to use them to defend themselves. And, again, I talk to gun owners who say, I've got my gun, I'm ready, I'm ready for the SWAT team, red, and I'm going to fight them. And I say, put your gun down, dude. When that SWAT team comes through your door, you better put your gun down and lay face down. You're going to get killed, just like some of the cases I detail in my book, A Gun of the Wolves, you're going to get shot and blown away. So, um, there may be a plan. Uh, I think the, the basic thing I start with is total paranoia about the average citizen. But when you have a, a large beast, which is what we have in Washington, D.C., and its tentacles extend all over the country, even the local agencies, police agencies, and local government, uh, they're not going to relinquish that. So, that's what you're up against, folks. Is it something that we can uh, limit? I think so, but it's going to take strong citizen action. Let's talk about that. I mean, John, it's it's obvious in looking at the vast momentum of our corporate field government and the rapidly militarized expansion of our police force, it is going to take a lot of effort to change where things are headed in our country. And, and in my opinion, inaction is not an option for respectable patriots who value their freedom. Just running running away from it or just rolling over to me. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a fellow um, infantryman as well from the military, and you know, I believe in justice. I believe in doing the right thing, and I believe in in fighting for freedom. However, in in your expertise, what does the future of America truly look like without the the paranoid tinfoil hat crosshairs that a lot of people are looking to to stick on this? Where are we headed if the government's continued efforts are left unchecked? I mean, where do you predict where that we're going to be in the next three to five years based upon what you're seeing? Well, I think in the near future, um, 
we're moving into we, – we are in a police state now. It's only going to get worse. Any kind of small uprisings will be put down pretty quickly because a, a small-town police force now has enough military equipment and assault rifles and outfits and whatever they have uh, to put down a, an armed revolt. Uh, 1776 is not an option anymore, getting your musket out there and firing back. They're going to, they'll blow you away. That's just the facts of it. Uh, and I believe in Second Amendment rights. I believe what the Bill of Rights say. Uh, who, who was really effective, uh, was a guy named Martin Luther King Jr., who right before he died, he wrote an essay. He was getting very radical by the end of his life, by the way. Much more radical than people thought. He was preaching militant, nonviolent resistance. And what he was saying was, we need to get together in large groups, plan marches on Washington, D.C., and that's what he was planning. He, in fact, he said, we're basically going to shut Washington down. They don't listen to us. The government no longer listens to the people. He says, we're going to, have some pretty strong First Amendment activity. That's free speech and any advocated civil disobedience. The thing that I found out in my years of working with government and against government is that what they don't like to do is expend a lot of energy uh, in a nonviolent way. So what do you do? King was very effective. I mean, he got uh, a lot of neat things done, I think, and he ended up getting shot. I think he was so darn radical at the end of his life. But he believed that if you got the people together and they did, they set down the, the, the capital steps and didn't move and forced the government to move them, again, nonviolently, you can make a lot of headway. If you did that at the local level, if people at the local level would get uh, engaged, go to the local city council meetings and, that, and demand the city councils return those MRAPs and armored vehicles that they don't need in their neighborhood. You get a lot accomplished, but you're going to have to turn the TV set off. The average American watches over 150 hours of television a month. You don't get anything done if you're doing that. So I'm telling people, give us one-third. Take one-third of those hours you're watching TV and get together in groups in your local communities and get down to your local city council and have them nullify acts of the federal government. There was one time in Massachusetts said, we're not going to follow the NDAA. We're not going to allow the military to come into our community and arrest our, our veterans. We're going to make sure the police stop that. So you can do it, but you're going to have to, people are going to get about their butts and do it. That's what freedom is an action word. We need action. That's a great point. John, it would, it would seem to the average patriotic citizen that going up against the corrupt government structure on a whole, like again, people are watching news nonstop and they're watching national news and they think that this is more like a Washington problem and that the government structure is backed by this militarized police force it would seem that these are basically impossible odds and there's nothing that we can do as individuals. Now, I'm not calling for any sort of like any overthrow of the government. Everybody go grab your muskets, head out there and, and, and uh, face the MRAPs and the tanks and the, and the Bradley vehicles. But as a combat soldier myself, I also don't believe in standing by and watching injustice go unchecked. I believe that the best place to start is with self-protection. And there may... There must be ways that we can make it harder for the government to infringe on our personal liberties and freedoms while keeping them out of our personal lives. What would you say are the three most critical and actionable steps our fellow patriots should take right now to protect themselves from government intrusion, and, and how are these going to help us? Well, the first thing is involvement, and some people are listening to me. They're getting together in groups. Uh, even if they're spread out, they're doing phone conferences weekly watching their local government and then figuring out how they can push them to do things like they did in Massachusetts. And that is tell the, tell the federal government we're not going to follow the NDAA. They don't, that, those are very, very effective. If you could get a hundred towns across America saying the same thing, 
simultaneously. Uh, that's very, very, very key. And, you know, I can go down, I can tell you many things to do, but people are going to have to get up. And, uh, I mean, we're entertained endlessly. You said something about watching news shows. I don't watch the news shows because I, I know how the news shows operate. They get their information from the government. Uh, it's been revealed here in the last month or so that the CIA has actually been vetting. Uh, they read articles and edit articles by major newspapers. Uh, so the information you're getting is vetted by the government. You know, I'm not sure we have a free press anymore, so you can't believe what comes out of government. And maybe that's another principle. James Madison, who wrote our Bill of Rights, said we ought to mistrust all those in government. Uh, what he's saying is, is that government abuses power. It always has from the beginning of time. Uh, and I think you have to realize at a certain point that if you can only obey, and I think this is a key principle, you're a slave. If you if you can't disobey, you're definitely a slave. So can we disobey at some point? Can we grab that sign and get out there and say we're not, we're going to get on the street corner when that policeman rises and says I'm going to arrest you? Will you just go home, take your sign and drag it home, or will you say no, sir? I have a right. I, I have a First Amendment right. And here's the key. I think basically Americans don't know their rights. How many Americans actually know what's in the Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights is ten amendments. It has 462 words. I have talked to lawyers groups. Recently, I asked 150 of the best lawyers in the room if they could get, if any lawyer in the room could give me the five freedoms of the First Amendment. There was silence. Not one lawyer would stand up and, and try to give me the five freedoms of the First Amendment. These are lawyers. So we don't know our rights. We actually give out a free Bill of Rights card if people want to go to our website, Rutherford.org. Get it, read it, and teach your kids the Bill of Rights. They're not learning it at school. So the first thing is get educated. Education precedes action. Wow. Yeah, and, and what I like is that, you know, again, people look at this as like a national problem, and, and, it, and it does seem overpowering and overwhelming when you look at it nationally. But what I like about what, you, what you've said is that you can get started on a local – like I live in a small town. I live in a small town in Texas, right? And so a lot of people, this is a very red state. It's a very Republican state. So pretty much I think a lot of people are following along the lines of like, look, if we can just get a Republican or a Tea Party or somebody, if we can get a conservative in the White House, then all of our problems are going to be solved. And, and really this does come down to what you can do on a, on a personal level because you can go to the local police department and you can see what they what they have what their plan is what I mean they're ta- you're a tax paying citizen you can go to the city council every little town and every large city has a city council and you have the right to speak up at those things so if you find that there are things that are being done in your community and you can get people together you know be get over your public speaking fear and stand up and say these are what i found i don't agree with this there's, you know, get petition signed. Be active about it rather than just sitting, you know, in your boxer shorts watching, you know, Fox News and just screaming at the television about how Washington needs to get their act together. It is about putting your own boots on the ground, really, and 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 doing something about it. So yeah, a lot. freedom starts with you, folks. It That's starts right. with you right now. Uh, but like I say, get educated, know your rights, uh, learn what's going on in your your local city government. If you do a little investigation, you might be shocked. Because there's a lot of uh, things to go on in your local town that you should know about and you probably don't. Great point. Great point. 
Well, uh, John, thanks so much. I mean, this is incredible information. Obviously, you're talking from a lot of experience over 40 years in working with this. And, and everybody, listen, I, I love John's website, uh, Rutherford.org. There's ongoing information there about the stuff that he's trying to wake everybody up to and few people know about. And it's it's much better than sitting down and watching the news and trying to get your, your information from there. So definitely go check out his website there. There's also links over there to his books that are available, including Government of Wolves, um, great read. So uh, definitely go check it out. Again, it's at www.rutherford.org. John, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking time. Hey, thank time. you, sir. Yeah. All right, everybody, until our next Modern Combat Serval podcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.